just taken my mask off, but this week I heard on the radio that there was a study done that says that blue medical masks make you more attractive. So that's a benefit for some of us. Only blue medical masks though. So if you've got a coloured mask, sorry, you know. Or if you've got it around your chin like some people in the congregation, that doesn't work. It has to be covering your face to make you more attractive. Uh, It's great to have the chance to share with you and uh, God is already moving with us and uh, Damien sharing about the mystery of his will being made known to us is spot on and uh, prayer meeting was uh, crazy too. Everything's lining up to about what I want to share with you today. I want to share with you about uh, how God's will, if we'll align ourselves to him and and live as he calls us to. His will is amazing for us and his will is uh, better than anything we can ever hope or imagine for. I'm just going to pray and then we'll get into it. Hey, let's pray. Oh Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to come. I thank you that you're here with us already. You're speaking into our hearts and into our minds. You're challenging us and you're, you're prompting us and I pray that This message be a message that resonates with all of us, with me and with each of us here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to do something before I start to uh, share. It's very Baptist, so some of you in the congregation, Hamish, you'll love this. It's a a very Baptist tradition is to get, invite someone to come and share a scripture. So I'm going to, this is the scripture that is based, my whole message today is based on. So I'm going to invite Dan to come. It's only short. It's not like others in our congregation that give longer scriptures, Damien. But it's uh, very, very short. But he's going to come and share this with us. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect? Yeah. So you, thank you. Amen. So you may discern what is God's will for your life. I might, if I can, just start with a story. A story that happened to me not that long ago. And uh, I hope that by listening that, to this story that you'll relate. You'll relate to times in your life when You've wanted something, but it hasn't quite gone that way. So I work for the Salvation Army. It's very interesting that we have some Salvation Army people with us today. I know. Um, But I work for the Salvation Army, and I work every day in the welfare centre of our Salvation Army. We we call it doorways. I see maybe eight to ten people every day from all differing walks of life those that have been tradies and have lost their job and don't know what to do because their debts are so high, those new arrivals to our country that don't speak English and are struggling to fit in and to find a place to call home, our Indigenous brothers who are just doing it tough, trying to live on New Start Allowance and, and everyone and everyone in between. This particular case relates to a lady, a lady I'm going to call Zara, I've changed her name, but she's a, she's a mom who comes from a country in Africa. She's a Muslim lady, 
and she comes to me often and has really broken English. And one day she came to me and she was so distraught. You could see it in her face that she hadn't slept for many days. She was strung, she was just really gaunt and hadn't been eating well and hadn't been doing what she should have been doing. She's a lady probably in her 50s or 60s. And she came to me and she said, Matt, I need your help in broken English. So I took her into my office and I chatted to her about her situation. It turns out that her son was facing deportation. Her son was in prison and her son was constantly being moved around. So every other week she'd come to me and she'd go, I haven't heard from my son, I don't know where he is. They've moved him. He'd went from Yatla to Mobilong to Port Augusta. He's been everywhere. They've shipped him around the whole country, the whole state of South Australia. Now he's at Mount Gambia prison. But she came to me and she said, Matt, I don't know what to do. At the same time, there'd been an opportunity for me to get a promotion. There'd been an opportunity for me to step from my office where I am now and to, to go and to lead a team in the city office. And I'd been for a while teaching students and, and they'd come to me and they'd get my wisdom. I've worked for the Salvation Army for 20-something of, 20 of my 45 years. I've been in my current space where I am now for 15, 16 years, no, 14 years. Grace is about to turn 16. 15 years. So I'm training people and I'm like, I know, I know what I'm doing. I should go for this job. I don't want to do it out of pride, but they could use me. You see, their team, their team had just been uh, decimated. Everyone had quit. And so I'm like, I can go there and I can teach them and I can do that. And then on this day, this particular day, we set up an appointment with Zara. It was 23 days since my interview. I hadn't heard a thing. I'm talking to HR. I'm talking to my next in chain of leadership. And they're going, well, has someone called you yet? I'm like, no. Has someone called you? I'm like, no. No one's talked to me for 23 days since I sat in the interview room and smashed it because they wanted mission and they wanted me to share the gospel and all that stuff that I do really well. 23 days and nothing. Should come tomorrow, they said. They'll call you tomorrow. Nothing comes. An email comes. Oh, they'll contact you the next day. Nothing comes. And eventually, I check my emails and I trace back my application and I find it says, submitted applications, declined. It turned out that this day, that was about 8.30 in the morning. At 10 o'clock, I had a scheduled appointment with Zara. And I want you to listen to what happens. So Zara, I'd arranged with a social worker from Mount Gambia Prison to call me because she was so distressed about the, the uh, livelihood of her son, how, how her son was going. She was freaking out. So I'd arranged on this day for her to come. We come, she comes into my office at 10 o'clock. He was due to call at 10 o'clock and nothing happens. I'm watching the phone going, come on phone. We put it on the desk, literally, in front of me and I'm going, mobile phone ring, mobile phone ring. 
because I was afraid that she wasn't answering properly because of her broken English. Because it tells you there's a recording from the prison and I was, I was fearful that she was hanging up thinking it was a spam call. Anyway, the phone call rings. And we get through to her son and we talk to him. And she's overjoyed because he's studying and he's doing really well. And I'll explain more about his situation later. But she's really happy. And one thing she says in Arabic is inshallah. Inshallah. I'm like, okay. I'm not going to reveal it yet, but I know what it means. As she says it, as the words come from her lips, I know what it means. And then I go and I get her some food because she was so hungry and so worn out. And as I walk into our food area, God quite clearly puts this thought into my head. And he says, stuff it. Don't worry about your promotion. I've got you. And I say, okay, thanks God. And then I walk back in and I explain to her and I say to her, I literally sat on the desk just in front of her and I said, Zara, you know I was going for a promotion. You know they were going to move me from this place. You know I wasn't going to be here anymore. But today they said no. And she looks at me with a look of shock and she says, Matt, I would come and I would be looking, looking. I would be lost if you weren't here. She said, all I have is my son who's in prison and you. This is the only things I have. And as she's saying it, she says again, inshallah, God willing. And there it is in front of my mind. God, in front of me, a Muslim woman is telling me God's will be done in your life. And God reminds me and says, if you were in a top job, in an office somewhere, shuffling paperwork and dealing with volunteers and people and staff, you wouldn't have the opportunity to speak to this woman. You wouldn't have the opportunity to share God's good news with this woman. God's will be done. Part of accepting who you are is recognizing who you belong to. Part of accepting who you are is recognizing who you belong to. As Pastor Ben has been sharing about this abundant life, this life that is so abundant and good, he talked to us last week about worship. And Jesus calls us to a life of worship every day. A life that mimics his, a life that mimics his character, his love, his caring, a life where we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. A life that finds worship in the everyday, in your waking and your sleeping. Let us be guided by God's will for our life. Let us not conform to the ways of the world, but to lay ourselves down daily as an offering for him. As an offering to submit to his will and say, what do you want me to do? What does God want me to do? What does God want of you? What is the sacrifice? Is the sacrifice simply saying, I'll humble myself and say, God, use me where I am? Whether we're on the bus or we're on the train, whether we're going out for coffee or we're sitting in an office, God, use me where you are. Your will be done. 
You see, Jesus gave it all up. Pastor Ben touched on it last week. Jesus gave up everything. And that everything that he gave up for us, that sacrifice that he made, included submitting to God's will. For if he was the son of God on earth, doing ministry and life, everything was pretty good apart from the Roman guys that didn't like him. He was seeing ministry flourish. He was taking God's good news to the communities and the world, to his neighborhood, to the fishermen. He was doing good. He would have been saying, life's challenging God, but I'm doing all right, thank you. I don't need to submit to your will because I'm doing pretty good. Even there's a story in Acts, in Acts 16, where Paul and Silas are doing ministry through Asia and they wanted to go into, into Europe, into Rome and other places. And it says that the doors closed on them before they went to Macedonia. In verse 6, it says the Holy Spirit prevented them from going. So they knew God's will. Well, they thought they did. But the Holy Spirit came to them and, and it says he prevented them from going. In verse 7, again, it says the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go to that particular region because they were acting under God's will, under God's plan for their life. He knew it all. He'd laid it down at the start of their life. Like we know, God knows us from the moment we are born, from the moment we are in our mother's womb, He knows us. He knows our very plans. He knows the numbers of hair on our heads. He knows us. But He didn't allow them to go. It's about understanding that we're part of God's greater plan. That this life on earth is not just to serve ourselves, but it's to serve a greater purpose. It's to, it's to give our life a sense of meaning. When we submit to God's will, when we do not conform to the ways of the world, but submit to our, His will, His good will for our life, it gives us a sense of meaning, a sense of lineage, a journey. I want to cut the seriousness for a moment and, and, and do a little illustration for you. You know, if you've seen me preach before, I, I like to do illustrations as part of my creative side. I've, got, I've cut apples up and all that sort of stuff. We've done it before. Damien, can you hold this for me for a moment? I'll be right back. going into the back room. He's coming out of the back room. He's got a rope. See, that's for the live stream, commentary. And I could have picked a lot of rope too, by the way. But this illustration, this rope that I'm holding in my hand, I'm going to lay it on the floor. And it's going to, uh, it's going to illustrate God's will for our life. The plan that God has for us before we were born. The lineage of God's will. It's going to represent that. If I can make it work. Here we go, Damien. Find an end, mate. It, it's, we're not going to go to the gym right now and do our battle rope section. 
So this is God's will. This is God's journey for us. It's got a kink in it. I don't want a kink in it. There we go. That's God's, that's God's, thank you, cameraman. It's, uh, it's God's line. It's God's will. It's nice and thick and solid. It started over here before we were born. And then it goes all the way through to when God will take us home. But sometimes what happens is, this is us trying to follow the path of God. I haven't tried this with one hand yet. There we go. Dan, you want some of this? Here, yeah, Dan, have that. Have that for a minute. Can you, can, can you yeah, give me some. Give, you, hold, you hold one bit. So, so often when we, when we uh, think we're following God's will, it'll look a bit like this. A bit messy and a bit awkward and got a bit of kinks in it. And it'll go all over the place. It'll go up here and it'll go over there and it'll go there and then eventually it'll line down on God's will, on his line. I wanted that to work a bit better, but it didn't. <laughs> but that's God's will for this sermon. Often our, our journey takes us on detours. Often our journey that sounds so lovely that God knew us before we were born and then he knows when we'll go home isn't so straight and linear. Often it gets a bit tangled or it goes over there and then we know his will for our life but we realise we're stuffed up and we've gone over there and then we come back. And then we journey on the will of God for a bit and then we go over there for a bit and then we come back. See, God's plan for us is something that we don't always submit to. Jesus taught his disciples to pray and he taught us to, his disciples to pray, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's an interesting concept. My, my theological interpretation of that is that God wants us to make earth. See, he started in the Garden of Eden and then we sinned and then we went away from him. But he wants heaven to come back to earth. He wants earth to become like heaven. And when we live as a church connected to the Holy Spirit, guided by him and moving in the fruit of the Spirit, acting in love and caring for each other, acting in self-control, heaven comes a bit closer to earth. And don't sing the 80s song in your head, because I just did. But heaven will come and it will invade our very community. God's will. Help me to find God moments. Help me to see when the Holy Spirit is prompting me. Help me to live my life so close to God's will that when I sit down with someone having a coffee, that it'll be my wisdom and my words, but God will also invade that space. That heaven might come to earth. God, let me be someone when I go for a walk and I say good day to the fishermen on the jetty that just one word might 
give him hope. You see, if I go back in that story about Zara, five years ago I'd met the boy. So we're in 2021, five years ago I'd met this young man. This young man came to my office. He was homeless. He'd had to move out of Zara's house because of some misunderstanding and he'd moved out and was homeless and had stopped studying. He was a a really good student and was going on to go to university and But he said to me, Matt, I've got nowhere to study now, so I've dropped out. He was afraid and he was lost. And it stuck in my head, this memory of him, because I encouraged him to go and find peace. I talked to him about faith and I didn't try and convert him to Jesus, but I told him that he was a man of faith and he needed to explore that and see what that meant for him. But three years later, circumstances, five years later, circumstances put us together again. And when he heard my voice on the end of the phone, he said to me, I know you. And I said, yes, I know you know me. We've met before. But God knitted us back together. He he put our strands back together. And he said to me, Matt, can you be my advocate on the outside? Can you be my advocate? Can you tell mum I'm doing okay and I'm doing all right and be my advocate if I need you? And I said, sure. You never know a seed that is planted. You never know when you're walking with him and you're in tune with him and you're worshipping him. Every day you never know what seed might be planted in people's hearts. Help us be in tune so much with the Holy Spirit that our lives mirror those of our Saviour, that our lives are open, loving, listening, caring lives, and they're ready to participate in the bringing of God's will to earth. You know, when, when I did the internship, the Baptist internship a couple of years ago, they gave us a required text, and you know what it's like when you get a required text when you're studying? You don't really read it. It's a, it's a required text, so we, we just go, have you read the book? Oh, yeah, sure, I've read the book. But uh, we read a particular book called Garden City by John Mark Croner. Cromer. And it's a book, see, the internship's set up for young people, right? It's a book that's meant to be, and I just read the blurb on the Kurong website just earlier, and it says, a book for 20 to 30-somethings to give them direction and I went okay I read it yesterday and it gave me direction and I'm 45 so they got that blurb wrong it's good for everybody but he talks about what the kingdom of God looks like and and I guess my whole message today is to encourage us that wherever we are we seek the Holy Spirit wherever we are we we make a choice to say I'm worshiping you today Because this hour that we spend together in church on a Sunday is not what God intended the kingdom to look like. He didn't intend us just to come together, to sing songs in a nice building for an hour every weekend and leave. You see, the reformers back in church history, they came up with this 
provocative and dangerous idea that they called the priesthood of all believers. So that would transform the church because what it meant was that the clergy or the the stuffy pastor up the front wasn't the only one that got to do God's work. We all get to do God's work. You're a farmer? Sure. You're a priest. You are a tradie? Sure. You're a priest. You're a pest controller? You're a priest. You're a cement layer? You're a priest. You're driving around picking up stuff off the side of the road, putting it in your, putting it in your trailer, you're a priest. You're sitting on the bus, you're talking to your mates, you're a priest. Because the word, and this is taken from the book, which is giving me so much insight. The word ministry means service. That's all it means, really. And your ministry is your service. It's the part you play the slot you fill, the place you do your work. You know what Pastor Julie prayed over me and David before in the prayer meeting? There's a few of us here. She prayed and she said, well, God said through her, that my role here in front of you is not as important as I think it is. That's what God, that's what God said to me. But that's a paraphrased version. But what, what God was saying to me in that moment, he was preparing for me to share this today. And he was saying that those of us that are blessed and privileged enough to have an opportunity to share, we are no more important than you and you and you and you. That ministry doesn't just happen from here. It happens when you're sitting having a coffee after the service. Because if people worked in church in full-time ministry, there'd only be like, there's only two people here that are in full-time ministry, or three, two, two and a bit, um, that are here in full-time ministry. And what does that, if I say, well, you're not in full-time ministry, what does that mean? Does it mean that all you guys are not in ministry? All the ministry, all the word ministry means is serving. We're all serving. And the vast majority of people who sit in this congregation today serve outside the church. It it doesn't mean if you serve outside the church that what you're doing isn't spiritual. Or it doesn't matter. Because when we think like that, we we put God into compartments. We say, God, you're, you're my Sunday God. And I go and sit in the church for an hour. God becomes this kind of thing in our day where we kind of pigeonhole him and we put him into our daily routine as an item in our diary. We highlight the time that we're in the building for a few hours and then God can be effectively shut out for the rest of our working week or our week. So today, with everything that's happened here, I feel like God's reminding us all that we have such an important role to play. And my invitation would be to to study and to ask the Holy Spirit 
to give us wisdom, to help us to understand what it looks like to serve him with our everyday. Holy Spirit, guide us and lead us and open our eyes. Use anyone, Holy Spirit, to come and speak into our lives and remind us that what we're doing has value, has value for our kingdom. Because that's when we'll truly see God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When the church begins to reach out from our Western compartmentalized thinking where we put everything in a box and moves into a, a way of relating to God in the everyday. That God may use a Muslim woman sitting in my office. He may use a person down the street or the person in the cafe, the barista, anyone. God, open our eyes, Lord, that we would see you in the everyday. Not just in this church building on Carnarvon Terrace, but in our everyday. God, help us. God, guide us and teach us how to share your love, how to encourage and how to be part of community how to bring your church to this community how to bring heaven to this community help us to operate in the fruit of your spirit to be caring and slow to anger to have self control and most of all to be attuned to you we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing here. Why don't you just take a moment right now, just where you're seated, just to close your eyes and make an intentional time to speak to him, to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to Reveal those areas where God is wanting to move. Just take a moment right now. church is over and it's time to go it's time to go why don't we right across this place right now just open our hearts to God
You might want to raise your hands if you feel comfortable to do that and just like a, a raising in surrender. Because as Matt shared, what happens here is only part of what God has called us to do. He's called us to serve him with our lives. That means we serve him when we leave this place, we serve him tomorrow morning, we serve him in our workplace, we serve him sitting at home watching the telly, we serve him. Our life is his. We are a living sacrifice to him, an act of worship to him. So why don't we right now, before we finish up here, just say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I lay my offering on your altar that you would transform it into what you would want it to be. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Let's do that now. Let's lay our offering on the altar, lay our lives in front of him and let him know not my will be done, but your will be done. That's our prayer today, God. We thank you for what you've done in this place. We thank you for the way you've spoken to us right throughout this gathering together. But we know, Lord, that it is only of any real value if we apply it to our lives. We put it into practice. We put action to it. And God, we pray that you would help us put action to it as we go from this place. That we would live for you in everything that we do. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.